and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. The story is the same. Every year we order, we order poinsettias. It's poinsettias again this year. You know her name is Mary. You know all the elements of the story, how there will be some who doubt and some who see stars, and you know the story. Why do we keep telling the same story every single year? We tell the story because the story has never changed about God's unfolding love for us, but our lives have changed tremendously. In this season of Advent, we have been focusing on this concept that you've seen in the graphic, undistanced. Uh, The reality that we have had to go through a season of being distant from each other, right? I mean, you see the worn out circles in the grocery stores and places and you are needing to keep the distance and we are following all of the medical recommendations, but my gosh, life is so different. I sat here this evening at five o'clock and we have a now one-year-old grandson as of December the 21st. Now, last year when I got COVID, it meant that I had to go home and tell my wife that when our first grandchild was born, she would not be able to hold him in her arms for 10 days. And I told her, blame Dr. Fauci, not me. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> no, we, we, we got through it, right? But, but I will forever have etched in my memory what it was like for her to describe standing outside their home as David James, two days old, comes home and she peers up against the glass and looks at him. And I'll never forget what it was like when that time had gone by and we were able to go over. And of course, I yielded because this isn't just a hat rack. Grandma got to hold him first, right? (laughs) And we've learned through the year in working with him in this relationship that Sean sees him all the time and she'll say, it's Grammy. It it could be on the phone. I don't care where. And he just pops right up and smiles and starts looking. So I followed her lead and I said, it's grandpa. Well, that didn't do much of anything, right? That's got a boy, right? So what I started doing with him, I started, when I'd see him, I'd go, hey, hey. He'd say back to me, go, ah, ah. So tonight at five o'clock. I get up to read the scripture, and they're down there right where Linda Andrus is sitting, and my grandson is in my daughter's arms, and I start reading the scripture. He pulls out his passage, and he goes, Ha! Ah! <laughs> you see, he knew the relationship that was established. And so I did what any grandfather and senior pastor should do in that moment. I laid down the senior pastor grandparent card, stopped reading the word of God, walked down and picked him up, and brought him up here and finished reading the scripture. Because it seemed to make sense that when we made that connection, even though it wasn't a word, I knew who it was. He started smiling and grunting. He made the connection. God seeks to make the connection with us, and that's what we celebrate. Friends, we're not just here because you don't know what it's like without going through the motions. We're here because we celebrate a transcendent truth that echoes through the ages, and it changes the world, and it changes our world. It doesn't matter if I go back in my memory as a preacher's kid thinking about what it was like to have an iron and wax paper and a dish towel 
where my dad was pastor because we had to go through. There's carpet everywhere like here. And we went to iron up all the wax drippings before they had the special stuff. Or if when it was like when we were a young family starting out on the East Coast and there was no way to get back to Texas and our family and we felt so alone, but we found a community of faith in which to worship. Life has changed. And the beautiful thing is the message has not changed. I love the way that Mark Comer talks about the distinctive hope that's carried in the message of the gospel. He says the problem for most of us is we borrow the assumptions of the secular world around us rather than accepting the truth of the Scripture. And what he says is we don't do this sort of actively. We just sort of go through the motions. It's a, it's a rather subtle thing, but we need to have a clear moment when we make that choice to embrace this transcendent truth, this truth that God is with us, that changes everything. And in a moment when the lights go out, in a moment when the light of Christ is shared from the Christ candle throughout this room, what you and I will remember and know is that we stand in a long lineage of people in the story of God breaking into the history of humanity. And it starts with the angelic visit with Zechariah in the temple, questioning and full of doubt. And he's moved because of the angelic visitor to a place of certainty because God chose to draw near to him. As you look at the Gospels, Mary is the next one that gets the angelic message. Mary to me, who is the heroine of the faith, who outside of Jesus Christ is the greatest human figure in the Scriptures, in my opinion. The greatest human figure in the Scriptures. I say that because of her Magnificat. That in the midst of all that happens, the first angelic visit to Gabriel and it is to Zechariah, and Zechariah says like a typical male, that can't happen. And he's muted until his son is born, John the Baptist. But Mary's response, Mary's response is, how can this happen? Well, those are two total different trajectories. Mary, who's moved by God from a place of surprise, how can this happen? To a place of ultimate faithfulness in those incredibly powerful words. And we need to have just simply a Mary mindfulness or a Mary mindset. Then we leave this place tonight that we should be able to say, God, not just tomorrow, but the days unfold. I want to be able to be like Mary and be able to say, Lord, let it be to me as you have said. That is the greatest human response outside the person of Christ. Joseph's the next one you see, the angelic visit. Now, Joseph and my mother would love to celebrate this, that Joseph is a typical male and he needs lots of reminders. He gets three different angelic visits. In fact, my mother's favorite joke to tell is about um, the gentleman who has a tragic car accident and the neurosurgeon come in and says, man, we can save your husband. We're going to need to do a brain transplant. Now, if we put in a male's brain, it's going to cost half a million dollars. But we have now developed technology. If we can get a woman's brain to put into your husband, it only costs $50,000. And the woman was irate. She cared for her husband and said, wait a minute. Why on earth would a man's brain be worth half a million and a woman's brain be worth $50,000? And the neurosurgeon said, ma'am, 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 settle down. The woman's brain, they're all used. 
Joseph gets visitor after visitor. Angel, Angel can't give Joseph the whole layout. Read Matthew. It's hilarious. He has to come to him one dream at a time. It's all the capacity that, that Joseph has. But you know what? Joseph moves from a place of reluctance, right? The first comment is, look, I know God sent you. I don't know if you're the right person. I'm just going to put Mary away gracefully and nicely in a little quiet divorce and everything moves on. But he's moved from reluctance to being ready to go and to be engaged. The innkeeper is the next one we see who is this sort of ambivalent person. If there was anybody who was involuntarily drawn into the story, the innkeeper doesn't get the benefit of an angelic visit. Have you ever thought about that? Everybody else gets angels. What about the innkeeper? He doesn't get any help. There's no preface. There's just this woman that's pregnant and a guy who show up and they need a place to stay and they did not use hotels.com. They have no reservation. Points won't work. But the innkeeper's moved somehow by God. And we know it's God who moves to a place of ambivalence and I just don't care. You've heard this phrase, right? Not my monkeys, not my circus. Not my problem. I didn't tell you to come to Bethlehem. I'm not responsible for any of this. God moves this innkeeper to a place of compassion and being involved. Shepherds are out in their fields and they're living there. They're the shepherds who care for the sheep that will eventually be taken into the temple area. And that's how they know to go find where Jesus is. Have you ever thought about that? How do they know where to go? I mean, they just start knocking on every manger and every door in Bethlehem for, hey, you got anybody here? Well, yeah, you can do the star. Careful, star shows up later. So you can't, you know, make sure you follow in the narrative. Partly because swaddling clothes were used for the sacrificial lambs that these lowly shepherds probably were the caretakers for. And if a lamb was born without blemish, it would be wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger so it would be without blemish. Get that imagery. That the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world can be found because these shepherds knew where to go find them. You only put the best of the lambs in swaddling clothes in a manger. And they're moved from a place of fearfulness to a place of eagerness. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that we have been told. And yet, the only one who really takes a moment to do what's called spiritual centering and absorbing the moment is back to our heroine, Mary. Shepherds say, hey, we heard it. Come on, John, let's go. We're going to Bethlehem. We're going to find this cat. We're going to find this guy. Yeah. Joseph's, well, all right, Mary, we got to go to Bethlehem. We got to get called back. Mary says what? Mary, all this stuff happens and Mary does what? Do you remember what the text said? Just listen to the text. It'll guide you to God's heart. What did Mary do? She pondered all of these things in her heart. My friends, as we come this day and we think about what it means, we need to have a Mary mindset to ponder what God's doing in our hearts so he can move us from a place of being distanced when we use the assumptions of the secular world around us, we'll be absorbed into God's story. We sang a little hymn a little while ago, O Little Town of Bethlehem. 
Philip Brooks went to Bethlehem and the Holy Land, actually, following the Civil War, to find inspiration to bring our broken nation together in the United States following the Civil War. And as he sat on the hillside above Bethlehem, he wrote those words, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in our dark street shineth the everlasting light, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Our hope, our dream, and what we've been praying for as every member of this staff, every week as we've been getting ready, every pastor, every prayer team member is that your encounter tonight would not be checking the boxes saying, well, we did Christmas Eve again. But that in this night, however your life has changed, the joy of the truth of the one carried in Mary's arms will mean your story doesn't stay the same. It's different because you open your heart to the Christ child.